it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, there he is, back in action, Jimmy. Jimmy, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not getting arrested Today, You're not telling me the truth. Well, that's technically true because the day is young. Uh, but Donald Trump, we know for a fact, not getting arrested. He will not be cuffed and stuffed. The grand jury looking into this uh, is not done calling witnesses. So we will have to wait at least two more days before we become a full-on banana republic in this country. What the hell is the world coming to? I do not know, but we will discuss with Kentucky Senator Rand Paul who weighs in on presidential prosecutions. And we're also going to get his take on the latest video just came out last night from Dr. Anthony Fauci. This guy's a serious ass. A lot of people feel that way. But today is not about you. It is about them. It is about you and me time. Or excuse me, it's not about them. It's about you. I screwed that up. Did you? I did. Right out of the gate. That's how the show started. Do you speak any English? Just going to have to own that one and move on with my day. Uh, 888-788. 9910 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of this shindig. I always say Fox Across America is what? I say it's an audio safe space for cool people. And what I mean by that is any view is tolerated here. Pretty much any view. If you can get it by the call screener, you know, it's you're within your rights to express it. Uh, and we just ask that you behave. We don't care what your political ideology is. I am not an activist. I am a talk show host. And now more than ever, it is incumbent upon all of us to figure out how to get together. You know, they always say, America needs to have a conversation about the issues facing the country. But nobody means that. Whenever they say, oh, America needs to have a conversation, they just mean agree with me. Agree with me or you're the devil. That's how it works. America needs to have a conversation. I'm like, all right, secure the border. Well, your wife's a hoe. And you're like, wait, what just happened? I thought we were having a conversation. No, we're very rarely having one. But on this show, we always are. Uh, we are your port in that storm. So 888-788-9910 is the phone number And as I say every day, to the point of exhaustion. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You could be a Republican on this show. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all. Uh, Happy, happy Tuesday to everybody. Uh, If you saw me last night on the Sean Hannity show with Judge Janine and Kaylee McEnany, we had a damn good time. That was great. Uh, We will post it on the Fox Cross America Facebook page. I was also on Fox and Friends this morning with the great Steve Ducey. We had a blast talking about Corrine Jean-Pierre. She is so bad at her job. Yeah, we'll get into her in a little while. Uh, Today, I will, of course, be on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram. A lot of TV time for your radio buddy. Uh, no jail time for President Trump, though. As of right now, the grand jury still they, they don't sit on Tuesdays. They're actually Tuesdays, their day off. Uh, but tomorrow they're back in action. Apparently there's more one more witness to call. But the guy in the eye of this storm, Donald Trump, weighed in late last night on Truth Social. Uh, the former president posting a video that I'm going to play for you. This, I believe, 
is the first sound from Trump since this went down. We've seen some posts. We've seen him call people rhinos and names and Soros prosecutors, reverse racism, all things he has every right to be upset about. Because I got to tell you, if I was Trump, man, he is. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's a real quick point I'm going to make for you. Okay. Donald Trump, whatever you think of the guy, I don't care if you like him. I don't care if you hate him. It's not my job. He's a big guy. Okay, he's a big guy. He's an ex-president. He's got a pile of money. He's married to a supermodel. Hubba, hubba. The guy's going to do okay. Okay, it's not my job to you know, enforce opinions on this show. I don't care. That's the point. Just a talk show host. But they are absolutely positively persecuting a man. They're trying to find a crime. That fits the charge, if you dig what I'm saying, meaning Donald Trump has been a member of polite society going back to the 70s. This is a guy that was on magazine covers. He was doing all the Barbara Walters shows. He was good friends with Oprah. He was going on The View constantly. The View was awful. And that was a thing till he started to, you know. He, he kind of stopped getting along with Rosie O'Donnell after a while. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But the point is, Donald Trump was a member of polite society. Okay, He had a TV show on the NBC network for 14 years. And every single one of these politicians that now want you to believe he's Hitler, he's an existential threat to our democracy, Donald Trump didn't change. Okay, they did, meaning there was no new Donald Trump when he came down the escalator and ran for president. He was always a pugnacious dude. He was always contentious in interviews. If he didn't like the question, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's who he was. Okay, he was always a guy. It's a little crass, very rough around the edges. Okay, monstrous ego, shameless self promoter. But he was Donald Trump. It's like a larger-than-life cartoon character. He wasn't Hitler. He wasn't a Russian agent sent here to overthrow the government. Don't ever forget that everybody who tells you the right is filled with conspiracy theories spent four years telling us that Vladimir Putin now controlled our government from afar. Dr. Evil had gotten the president into the White House like it was an Austin Powers movie. You shut your mouth, you bastard! Biggest conspiracy in the history of our country. Like, they literally spent four years telling us Russia took over the government. As conspiracies go, it's a, you know, it's a pretty big one, man. I think he's got a point. The point being is that Donald Trump has been subjected to a unique level of persecution the likes of which we have never seen. Now, it's multifaceted, to be clear. A lot of it is, yes, he's an outsider, doesn't have a background in politics. He's been a member of both parties. He's donated pretty aggressively to both parties at times. He has pivoted later in life to more conservative ideology. But because he's not a traditional dyed-in-the-wool politician, he encounters a lot of resentment in the uniparty, meaning there's a lot of Republicans, a lot of Democrats that belong to the same party. They're just out there getting fat and happy off the lobbyist cash, eating $6,500 lunches at Cafe Milano, you know, purporting to care about this country. But at the end of the day, most of D.C. is pro-wrestling. And what I mean by pro-wrestling is I've made the analogy before. 
Okay, I know my buddy Davey, who's listening on WIBX up in Utica, appreciates this. But back in the day when you went to a pro wrestling match, you could see the Macho Man's fans beating up the Ultimate Warriors fans in the parking lot. And while the Macho Man fans were beating up the Ultimate Warriors fans, you know what the Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior are doing? They were going to Hooters together. Correct the mundo. They weren't fighting. Behind the scenes, they were pals. That's most of D.C., the Uniparty. Okay, the Uniparty, not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, the Uniparty, okay, want nothing to do with Trump. Couldn't stand the guy because he's not one of them. The idea that they went through the conventional channels, did all the fundraising, sold out to the lobbyists, raised a gazillion bucks along the way, okay, that entitled them to access to the levers of power. The fact that someone walked in off the street who didn't go through those traditional channels and was now the president of the United States, I got to be honest, they woke up to a very chilling reality in 2016. But from that day forward, they have devoted all the fiber in their being to destroying Trump, whether we were talking about the Russian collusion thing, which was just a complete scam. I mean, completely fully based on opposition research from the Clinton campaign designed to give them a counter narrative to her private email server. OK, then they went through a Ukrainian impeachment. Then they told you his taxes were going to bring him down. And at every turn, they have failed. They have been wrong, but they have carried on. As if you had no memory of the first four, five, six, or seven failures. This is politics as usual. No differently than they did with classified information at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, there's classified information at Mar-a-Lago. We've never seen anything like this. we got to throw them in jail. Democrats are so full of crap. And why are they full of crap? Because of about a month later, we found more classified documents from a wider range of years left unprotected in Joe Biden's garage. Biden is such a disaster. But did the Democrats who said you got to go to jail for mishandling classified information speak up about Biden? The answer would be no. Trump is in his own category, you see. Okay, Republicans weren't calling to prosecute Biden just the same. Very few. Plenty of them had concerns about Trump. Why? Because he's not one of them. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't shack up with Stormy Daniels. That doesn't mean he didn't pay off Stormy Daniels. But it does mean if this was anyone else in the world but him, okay, we wouldn't be talking about this case. Here is Trump trying to make that point. It's clip one. These four horrible, radical left Democrat investigations of your all-time favorite president, me, is just a continuation of the most disgusting witch hunt in the history of our country. It's gone on forever with Russia, 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 and Ukraine, 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 and the Mueller hoax. It's an absolute disgrace what's going on. They even spied on my campaign. And remember this, with all of the work that they did on Mueller, no collusion. That's what the answer was, was all no collusion. Whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid or the unselect committee hoax, the perfect Georgia phone call, it was absolutely perfect. Or the stormy horse Daniels extortion plot. They're all sick, and it's fake news. What the hell did you just say? I believe the term was horse face. Uh, Trump, I got to tell you, he doesn't drink. I don't know if you know that about Trump. He doesn't drink alcohol. But he is the actually the only person, non-drinker I know, that may have hooked up with someone they consider a horse face. I mean, generally, that's... That's the end result of a, you know, crazy night of drinking is when you wake up with a horse face. He's a lousy dad, but he's right.
So that part kind of throws me. Uh, and it's not conventional language. If you've learned anything from the Trump years, okay, he is not a polished <laughs> politician. And a lot of people find it refreshing because they're not getting these carefully curated sound bites that tell you what you want to hear and then there's no follow through on any of it. Um, but there is such a seething resentment for this man within the Uniparty certainly within the media, and in a place like New York City where I live, you just can't imagine. Alvin Bragg has aspirations for higher office. He's the district attorney here in New York at a time when rapes are spiking, robberies are spiking, women are getting killed by recidivist felons that get let out on bail, uh, that are free to, they go free. Do you realize right now in New York this district attorney has taken 52% of his violent felonies and lowered them to misdemeanors? That's the indifference he has to violence in his city. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, he's taking Donald Trump's nonviolent misdemeanor and he's trying to upgrade it to an actual prosecutable felony. That's not right. And why is he doing that? Because in a one party town, you can fail upward. He's not trying to beat Trump in court. He can't beat Trump in court. This is a dead end case. Okay, number one, we're already beyond the five year statute of limitations. Number two, they're trying to tie this to a federal finance violation that the feds themselves already passed on. The last district attorney here in New York also passed on this. But Alvin Bragg is pursuing it because this is a way for him to ingratiate himself to the citizens of his city without doing anything whatsoever to actually protect them. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. That's what's going on. He wants to fail upward like all the other Democrats do. Joe Biden was considered the dumbest man in the history of Washington. Robin Williams at Comic Relief in 1987 famously called out Joe Biden as the dumbest guy in Washington. That was always his reputation. Barack Obama talked him out of running for president. Barack Obama got caught on a hot mic saying at one point, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to things up. That was his take. But he failed upward to the presidency. Pete Booty Judge his nickname was Pothole Pete because of just how poor the conditions were in South Bend, Indiana, where he was the mayor. The man's name was Pothole Pete. He wound up being in charge of every road in this country. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Democrats fail upward. If you don't believe me, look at the vice president. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! But the point is she took the right positions. In do- well, Don't read into that. But politically, she took the right positions. And the truth is, Alvin Bragg's in the same spot. Crime is spiking in New York City. It's out of control. It's horrific right now. And every day we turn on the TV, we see a woman getting mugged or stabbed or shoved in front of a train or purse robbed or carjacked. It's like actually bad. Like New York City right now is like where SEAL Team 6 goes to get scared. But Alvin Bragg doesn't have to worry about policing the cities. He doesn't have to worry about locking up the violent criminals because New York is a one-party town. And that party hates Trump so much that even if he goes after Trump and loses, it's still a victory for Alvin Bragg. But what you've got to realize in this moment is this is a guy subjecting America to a great moment of peril. We're plunging into banana republic territory. Because some jackass who's up for re-election as a district attorney realizes you don't have to fight crime if you just fight the ex-president. And that's where we are. Okay, whether Trump gets indicted tomorrow or Thursday or Friday, okay, this guy is going to try to do a job on Trump because he cannot in any way, shape or form do his actual job. Ah, you have a good eye, my man.
You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like it's a it's a game changer. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up on a Tuesday. They have saddled up the show pony yet again. You're damn right. 888-788-9910 if you want to watch me do some tricks. Bob is batting leadoff in Henderson County, Nevada. Hello, Bob. How you doing there? I'm, I'm doing. And uh, you didn't hear this from me. But myself and Kennedy are going to be in Henderson uh, August the 25th. What do you think about that? Depends on where you're going to be. Well, we'll work it out. We still, I, I, I they've given me the details, and uh, it's going to happen. It's at one of the casinos. I could look it up while we're talking. But the point is, if I'm in Henderson, what are the odds that you're buying me a beer? Well, I'm in Henderson County, Texas. So oh, Mikey said Nevada. All right, no, no, <laughs> I blame Mikey. Then you don't owe me a beer, and you can't mail me one well, either. It'll get broken. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain a minute, and, mm-hmm. and let's let's look at this thing sideways with, I call him POTUS, or uh-huh. Mr. T, Trump, right? <laughs> okay. I, I want him to get arrested. Oh, oh, boy. Okay. I love the man. Oh, you do. But he's a ball buster. Mm-hmm. And he knocked down a lot of walls that get rebuilt the way we want them built. We the people under this constitutional government that seems to be uh, decimated day by day. Mm-hmm. So let's say that he gets arrested, and we know even a non-law student is going to see that these charges aren't going to stick. Uh, you, you've got their yeah. aging out. You've got a statute of limitations. You've got uh, their uh, federal and uh, being prosecuted in the wrong courts. So they're going to get the charges are going to get thrown out. They're not going to stick. But let's get him arrested. Let's get him perp walked. Let's get him fingerprinted. Let's have a trial. You know the world's going to be watching because he's going to dominate the media, mm-hmm. which they cannot stand. Mm-hmm. How do you legally introduce evidence of wrongdoing in a court of law? He's sitting on tons of evidence that has not been used. <laughs> he's going to walk, but then he's going to set precedent. Let's call it PP. Oh, boy. Presidential precedent mm-hmm. to arrest a president. Bob, I, I really enjoyed the theory. And I do think you should definitely get a job uh, in television because this is a f- spectacular production you've cooked up. And I don't doubt it would rate incredibly well. Take a bow, girlfriend. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. It is Fox Across America, the radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Reachable to you, the listener, at 888 888- 
9910. So as you would imagine, Trump being a presidential candidate in 2024 has subjected his opponents in the Republican Party to all kinds of various media inquiries into the legitimacy of this prosecution. Nikki Haley, somebody you heard on this show a few weeks back, Nikki Haley came on. We actually had a great time talking to Nikki Haley when she was here. Uh, Get her out. Get her out of here. Stop it. We liked Nikki Haley. She was was actually a lot of fun on the air and off the air. Uh, But she did, to her credit, and I think every politician should be exercising this same, you know, moment to speak out if, in fact, they're asked about the ridiculous nature of the prosecution. Like, again, I just want to make this point. Okay, Trump is not going to jail for this. Could he be arrested? Yes. Fingerprinted? Yes. Perp walk? Yes. Does that plunge us into banana republic territory? Yes. We've never technically had a president arrested. Okay, Ulysses Grant, S. Grant, back in the day, was once arrested for speeding on a horse. Like, that's an actual thing. He was cited. He was cited for speeding on a horse. Okay, Uh, but we've never had something like this. And in the modern era where there's so much social media and the media intensity is so it's so intense. I sound like Kamala Harris. We've got to talk about the intensity because it's intense over the passage of time. And there's so much significance to the passage of time. And you just, you know, oh, shut up, woman. Exactly. But the point is. We're living in such a hyper-partisan moment in this country where everybody is so – everything is just so contentious. Everything has a side now. America has become a digital fight club. There's nothing you can do that doesn't invite a take. It's like I made cookies. Yeah, because the Republicans are white supremacists. That's why. Baking cookies has its roots in slavery. Like, wait, what? It's like so crazy, but that's the world we're living in. So when passions are running as hot as they are, when everybody is always looking at everything for an opportunity to engage in some type of a verbal conflict, the idea of arresting a president that has the overwhelming support of half of this country is a really provocative measure. And again, I am not calling for violence. I don't want there to be violence. No one should be Thinking in those terms, because the First Amendment does not entitle you to violence. You have the freedom to peacefully assemble. You know, unless you're a Democrat, in which case you have the freedom to loot a few Nike stores and burn down the police station along the way. No one's going to give you a hard time. (laughs) Just, you know, just don't go to church during a pandemic. If you want to protest, you want to loot a city. That's one thing. You know, this is a sophisticated virus. It knows the difference between church and a burning down Nike town. Okay, so understand, don't tempt fate and violate social justice, social distancing guidelines at your church or at your event, okay, unless you're doing something in the name of a Democrat ideology. But the point I'm trying to make is it's a really stupid time to be alive. And I don't doubt that there are some people on the left that would prefer an over-the-top reaction from those on the right because they would use it, as they did with January 6th, to characterize the entire right-wing, you know, Thought process is something based in violence, something based in, you know, this disregard for authority and everything in between. So it's reckless to prosecute a guy for the equivalent of a a parking ticket if he happens to be an ex-president. It just it is. And you can't tell me, well, but nobody's above the law because this is a district attorney that is letting 52 percent of his violent felons charge down to a misdemeanor. 
letting most of them go free and walk in the streets. So plenty of people are above the law if they're violent criminals. Okay, but if they happen to be a Republican, no, then of course, yes, no one is above the law. That's the whole scam. But here's Nikki Haley talking about the potential arrest. Clip 11. And I think what we know is when you get into political prosecutions like this, it's more about um, revenge than it is about justice. And, you know, I think the country would be better off talking about things that the American public is cares about than to sit there and have to deal with some revenge by some political people in New York. It's a good point. OK, and again, she's running against Donald Trump, but she has the good sense and the self-respect to point out wrong when she sees it. Ron DeSantis did the same thing yesterday, uh, and he got his money's worth out of it, by the way, because he also got in a dig at Trump. And it's listen, he's well within his rights to take the shot because Trump is trashing him as a rhino globalist pedophile for all intents and purposes. So DeSantis doesn't owe Trump, you know, a defense per se. But he does owe you the truth if he hopes to lead you one day as your president. And here is DeSantis telling that truth. It's clip eight. You're talking about this situation with and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day, in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. Good for him. Okay, because here's a newsflash. It is fundamentally wrong. He knows what he's talking about. Here's more DeSantis. Okay, talking about the prosecutor going for the big story and ignoring the little crime. It's clip nine. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. These Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. Yes, he did, and give him credit for that. They went in and actually got rid of a Soros prosecutor who said he wasn't going to enforce certain laws. Alvin Bragg, just so you understand, when he became the district attorney of Manhattan, he had ran, he had campaigned for this office on the vow that he was going to prosecute Trump. I have what it takes to prosecute Trump. At a time when businesses are fleeing, at a time when tourism is down, at a time when violence is up, okay, more importantly... We're going to ring up an ex-president for paying off a porn star. Again, I'm not defending Trump's behavior per se. And I'm not saying you couldn't do both. Like, this could fly with me if he was enforcing actual laws in this city, if he was holding actual violent criminals accountable. But he's not doing that. He's trying to fail upward. Hey, I'm the guy who took on Trump. And then Alvin Bragg gets to try to run for governor. If he pulls that off, you know, then maybe he can even aim for even higher office. Because in the Democratic Party... Their number one sexual fantasy, sexual fantasy, 
is the idea of getting Donald Trump. It's, oh, you have no idea how much energy these people every single day put into that fantasy of getting Trump. It started with Russian collusion. Oh, he's going to jail for Russian collusion. Oh, girl, it's going to be so hot. Oh, baby, he going he gonna to get locked up for that collusion, girl. We going Have you ever had a checkup? No, it's true. This is what they do. <laughs> They're interrupting me. But it's true. Oh, Ukrainian impeachment, girl. He going down for the Ukraine. Oh, baby, it's going to be so hot. It, it didn't happen. Like, oh, them tax returns, girl. He in trouble now. You you ain't going to believe it, girl. He going down for them tax. And he didn't go down, you know. Oh, impeachment number two, girl. They gonna get him. Nope, didn't go down. And now they've moved on to this one. They this this fantasy turns them on to no end, to no end. But it's so bad for the country. One more DeSantis clip, and I'll move on. It's clip ten. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the sky, the, the crime rate go up. And we've seen citizens become less safe. Uh, I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA. Okay, he's trying to do a political spectacle. He's trying to virtue signal for his base. Uh, I've got real issues I got to deal with here in the state of Florida. Good for him. Okay, because he does, and he doesn't need to be dragged into the circus. But I respect him using this opportunity to speak out against what is clearly a politically motivated prosecution. I mean, there's no two ways about it, guys. This is, you know, it's not it's not me telling you anything other than the truth. OK, the feds who have a much wider berth to prosecute the feds, OK, passed on this charge. The previous district attorney of New York passed on this charge. We're well past the statute of limitations on this charge. But Alvin Bragg has brought the case back to life in hopes that he can tie it to a federal offense, which would thus extend the statute of limitations and corner Trump legally with a theory that has never been tested once in the court of law. The point is it's not going to work, but they don't need it to work. The process is the punishment. It's like Russian collusion. They know he didn't collude at the beginning. They knew that because we knew that the entire basis for spying on Trump Tower was based on fraudulent FISA warrants that they lied to obtain. We knew the whole Alpha Bank narrative of Trump communicating back channel with Russia during the campaign was something given to the press by the Clinton campaign to create a counter narrative to her email server. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did them. Okay, so you understand they were willing to subject, subject him to three years of a Mueller probe for no other reason than they were hoping he might self-destruct, fire Mueller, and create the perception that there was something going on with Russia. And everybody could be like, see, Mueller was closing in. He had him dead to rights. So Trump fired him. Put him in jail. That was the angle they were working. Okay, they didn't need it to be real. They just needed to hang it over his head. So now you got Trump running for president again. They don't need this charge to, to be real. They just need this charge to be present. It will hang for the entirety of this election cycle. And they can use that against him. That's what it's doing here. The process is the punishment. And what's so fascinating is at a time when we're being told nobody is above the law, there is absolutely no appetite whatsoever to go after the Bidens. Okay, when you think about the Hunter Biden laptop story, okay, and you juxtapose it against the Stormy Daniels thing, 
We're being told Trump should be prosecuted because he hid the Stormy Daniels affair from the public in the run-up to the election. And if you're going to hide information from voters that could change their opinion of the election, you're supposed to go to jail. That's the argument here. Nobody's above the law. Okay, well, then tell me what to do with the 51 intelligence officials who knowingly said the Hunter Biden laptop was fake, knowing full well it was real. What do you do with them? Because they certainly hid information. They censored our ability to share it on social media and gave the big tech companies, okay, a license to do so by declaring in a signed letter from 51 former intelligence officials that this whole thing was a scam. Lo and behold, what happened the moment the election was over? Every newspaper, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the other networks, the intelligence officials, they were all like, oh, by the way, the Hunter Biden laptop was real. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course they did. Why? Because now they wanted to cover their asses. They wanted to distance themselves from what was clearly a case of election interference. And when the Republicans took back the House of Representatives and had the ability to go investigate the origins of this story, everybody who said it was fake turned around and was like, well, it turns out upon further vetting, we had some other sources. The media is a bunch of losers. No, there was nothing new post-election about the Hunter Biden laptop that we didn't know pre-election. Okay, Hunter Biden was engaged in an influence peddling scheme. I don't know that this president is compromised, but if he is compromised, we're all compromised. And to be clear, he behaved, okay, he was flagged for suspicious activity 150 times by Obama's Treasury Department, meaning on 150 different occasions, the Obama Treasury Department said, wow, doesn't look like the Bidens are up to any good with all this influence peddling going on around the world. Where's this money coming from? You see, I said this the other night on TV. I've said it on the show. When Joe Biden left the, the Obama administration, you know, he was bright. He was vice president of the United States for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And Obama talked him out of running in 2016, at which point Biden assumed Hillary Clinton was going to be the president, not once, but two terms. Wrong. But that was the assumption. She was expected to be Trump. She was a 13 point favorite. Nine times out of ten, presidents do get reelected. So Biden assumed he was finished in politics and probably cashed out on his time in Washington by allowing his son to pull the goalie and go sell as much influence off the family name as possible. But lo and behold, COVID happened. The ground shifted underneath his feet. Hillary lost and Biden had a chance to run. Okay, the only problem now is he had spent the last two years behaving like a man who wasn't going to run for president. So we had to do some dirty work to get the story cleaned up. I'm not the only one who feels that way. Chris is in Dallas, Texas. Yo, Chris. Jimmy, hey, buddy. I'm so happy to be on the on the phone with you. Uh, first time caller. Yeah, you're, you, I, I, I watch Fox News a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're I, I you're the you're oh, pretty much the only guy that consistently makes that point. When you look at Biden, you know, in the context of he knew his vice presidency was as high as he was going to go. He knew that that was going to be the end of the road. So, of course, it makes perfect sense that he grabbed at everything he possibly could. Yep. Um, And and you you make that point a lot. And I just wish other other commentators would make that point to kind of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's so obvious. And I just don't understand why Fox News commentators don't come from well, that angle. I think what a lot of people often. are focused on is the actual Hunter thing, like the banking records, what it means. I mean, my theory, which is a horse sense theory, and it's probably true, 
okay, is only relevant if the documents and the evidence actually substantiate it. So what a lot of the commentators are, are weighing in with is speculation on what's true, what can we prove, what do we now know to be factual. But I think when this is all said and done, what you're going to realize is, yes, this influence peddling scheme was Biden's golden parachute out of Washington until he was asked to come back to Washington and represent whoever the hell was actually running the government while he ate the pudding cup and watched Bonanza. But Jimmy, I think there is so much more to come, and this onion is just started to get peeled back. I do not and doubt. There it, Buckle and up. I, I, could, I could go on and on. But <laughs> no, yeah, I know you I, could. I, I love the way that you come at this, and I just wish – more people would kind of get on board with. Well, thanks. I, at, I will introduce. So I'll introduce the other analyst to my drug dealer and let you know how it goes. I kid, Chris. Too funny. We'll do it again soon, my man. Back after this. You're listening to the show that Standard and Poor describes as Standard and Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fell. A minute to go in the hour, if anyone can handle it. It is Alex in Brooklyn. Yo, Alex. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks so much for taking the call. So we got basically in New York City, where I live, we got a burning city. And District <laughs> Attorney Heldon Bragg is, is busy taking care of some burnt toast. That's the story with Donald Trump. So, yep. you know, you got the criminals who are running the city, deciding who gets onto the train and who gets onto the train track yep. uh, by pushing them in here. And, you know, Alvin Bragg is a local politician. His job is to take care and eliminate all the threats to the people in the city and state and to secure them from the criminals. Well, he has – listen, he has protected the city against porn stars being paid for their silence. Don't you feel safer when you walk the streets at night? I know I do. Trump (laughs) Trump lives in Florida. (laughs) Even worse. Good stuff, Alex. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Big hour of Fox Across America coming up. Emily Campagno is going to be here. She's, of course, the co-host of Outnumbered. Also, the critically acclaimed Fox News True Crime podcast. But we're also, also going to be talking to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. (laughs) Crowd goes wild for that one as well. Uh, We're going to try to do like a semi-serious interview with Rand Paul because I'm so interested to get his takes on Dr. Fauci. Because every time Fauci opens his mouth, Rand Paul has been there on the other side to say, You are so full of s***. So I'm interested to try to get into some substance. I'll try to do an adult interview in this. I wish me luck on that. But it's what we channel you know, from time to time. And I tell you, the whole hook of the show is we don't take any of this stuff seriously. Yeah, the issues matter, but we don't. Meaning this is a, a, a tone, a place, a vibe where you can, you know, you loosen the necktie a little bit. You take it easy. It's a, it's a talk show. It's old school. They used to do this everywhere when I was a kid growing up. Got to be like smoking a cigarette half in the bag, sharing political views with you while you sat at the car in traffic or you're at work or you listen home at night. And you were just talking. It was just company. And that's what I try to be on the radio is I'm just trying to be good company. It's a buddy cop movie. 
you have gotten into the vehicle, you have heard this partner's voice coming out of the speakers, and now you've got to decide if you can fight crime with me or if you're just like, get him out of here. Get him out. You tell the Sarge you want to transfer. Well, hopefully we can stick together and keep society safe. 888-788-9910 if you want to ride along with your buddy. Uh, Right now, the only person... (laughs) In the legal crosshairs, as, as it pertains to this conversation, is Dr. Anthony Fauci. He should be behind bars. So last night I was on with Judge Janine. I was on the Sean Hannity show, and the judge was filling in for Sean. So it was me, the judge, and Kaylee McEnany. And we were reacting to this new Fauci video. Fauci, who is finally retired, is still addicted to hair and makeup. When you go on TV... They do your hair. They give you a little bit of makeup, make you look a little more TV friendly. Fauci, who had been in his position since 1984. Dr. Anthony Fauci was serving in that position since Van Halen recorded Jump. Think about that. Jump. Hot for teacher. Back then, okay, Fauci was in office in night when Van Halen recorded Hot for Teacher. But Fauci didn't become relevant, didn't start doing TV hits. Till he was producing a song called Masked for Teacher. <laughs> Not hot for Masked for Teacher is what was going on. And he got addicted to hair and makeup. He likes going on TV. He likes horrifying people. He likes changing his public health initiatives, not because the science changed, but because the political science changed. I'll give you a good example. Okay. Fauci implemented a nationwide mask mandate and got people fired from their jobs for not being vaccinated. Excuse me. Nationwide vaccine mandate. And he got you fired from your job if you weren't vaccinated. That was Fauci's position. Okay, but here was Fauci's position a month before that happened. Another question from another student. Would you support a nationwide mandate of the COVID vaccine once it comes out? No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. No, huh? Hmm, that's interesting. You don't want to do it. So why'd you do it? You know, if you want to tell us about masks, it was, again, no masks, one mask, two masks, can't believe it's not masks. Here is Fauci all over the map on masks. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Masks are protective. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, And you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. Certainly feels that way, right? I mean, the guy literally took every position from the vaccines to the masks and ultimately came to do what? Well, you can't question me. I am the science. Do you remember what he said that? I am the science. Luke, I am your science. Like he was Darth Vader. And in that epic standoff with Rand Paul, 
he was finally asked, hey, man, you're out here pushing vaccines and boosters on little kids with no long-term data on how this will affect them. To this day, we have no long-term data on how this vaccine will affect women's reproductive health. But they mandated it anyway. Never mind that they did so on the back of a vicious social pressure campaign. The guy who said, oh, we'll never do a mandate. The administration that on the campaign trail said, we don't even know if this vaccine is legit. Don't ever forget that. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? Get out of here. That's nuts. So uh, I guess we have some issues. <laughs> no, nah, no issue. Everybody, the media just conveniently forgot that Biden was saying a week before the election, who the hell's going to take this thing? A week after the election, he was like, you guys better get this vaccine. This is politics as usual. Do you get it? So the fact that their positions changed constantly is why nobody trusts Dr. Fauci. But Dr. Fauci, in being questioned by Rand Rand Paul, let me put this together in English. Dr. Fauci famously said to Rand Paul when he was asked whether or not he was making any money, any royalties from pushing all of these shots, He famously told Rand Paul, I don't have to tell you that. It's clip 33. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Can you tell me Uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody on the vaccine approval committees ever received any money from people who make vaccines? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, according to the regulations, People who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. So let me give you some example. From 2015 to 2020, I, the only royalties I have was my lab and I made a monoclonal antibody for use in vitro reagent that had nothing to do with patients. You're the lowest form of life on earth. You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. Why, you little maggot, you make me want to vomit. Seriously, think about that. So Rand Paul says, hey, you guys making money pushing these shots? You made any cash there, Dr. Fauci? And what does Fauci say? I don't have to tell you. Now, let's just have a common sense moment because maybe there is a law he can hide behind. I don't have to tell you. But I don't have to tell you if you're paying attention is a very fancy way of saying yes. And why do I make that claim? Because this law does not prevent them, does not prevent them from going out and saying no. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. You understand, if you're doing something as nefarious as benefiting financially from pushing an unproven product onto people and their children, you'd want to distance yourself from that if, in fact, you could. But because Fauci was under oath and knows that somewhere out there in the, in the universe there is proof that they're making money off of this, he chose not to answer the question. Again, if someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, 
Did you commit a murder last Tuesday? You're going to say no if you didn't commit a murder. Okay, but if you're under oath and you committed the murder, you might want to call a lawyer instead of answering the question no. Okay, Fauci gave you a non-answer, which in this case was a very big answer. And the answer was yes. And we'll ask Rand Paul about it when he joins us. But understand, here is clip from Fauci. There's a PBS documentary coming out because Fauci still isn't tired of TV yet. And here they are going door to door trying to pressure people into getting vaccinated. Got to get vaccinated. They were sending Fauci out door to door because it got him more hair, got him more makeup, got him another camera crew. And it was him knocking on people's doors and lecturing them about why they should get vaccinated. Now, this is like peak Fauci. Why? Because it shows him doing the two things he loves to do the most, which is mug for the camera and be wrong. Okay, he's wrong. Here it is. Clip 31. Oh, you should get it first. Uh, okay, that way you won't give it to them. Oh, I thought I thought I would give it to them if I get it. No, no, not at all. In oh. fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. Oh. So you're actually protecting your family by getting vaccinated. Oh. Well, I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't um, stop you from getting it. No. So on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if you're vaccinated, it's a very you don't even feel sick. It's like you don't even know you got infected. It's very, very good at protecting you. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. <laughs> on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get COVID if you're vaccinated. <laughs> it ain't rare. I mean, tens of millions of people. This isn't a vaccine. It's a therapeutic. Okay, but there he is being wrong. On the very, very, very rare chance that you get it, yo, vaccinated people get COVID just as much as unvaccinated people. You know what that means? That means it's not a vaccine. That's true. That is true. There is no other case data for like the measles or the mumps or polio where the people vaccinated for polio are getting polio as much as the people who are unvaccinated for polio. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. What does that mean? That means this isn't an actual vaccine. Bingo. But you hear how Fauci is pistol-whipping these people into getting vaccinated. you got to get vaccinated. Very, very, very. These, it's very, very, very rare chance, he says, that you do get it even if you're vaccinated. It's a very, you don't even feel sick, he says. If you get COVID, you don't even feel sick. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner in this. I mean, think about that. <laughs> people getting COVID, okay? Vaccinated people getting COVID died from that COVID. More than unvaccinated people in the last available month of data we have at our disposal right now. So you understand, okay, it's a total lie. But why is he out there pushing it? Why is he out there telling that lie? Money, 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 money. Here's a little more of the clips. Clip 32. We don't know definitively the answer to that, but it is likely that this thing is not going to disappear. It's not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. So it's going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it is likely that we will require an intermittent, likely at the same time as we get a flu vaccine, at least once a year. Very similar to what we do to keep updated 
on our immunity against influenza, it is very likely that the similar situation we'll be experiencing with COVID, namely getting a booster shot once a year, probably at the same time as we get an influenza shot. Money, 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 money. Folks, are we going to go out and get a vaccine booster once a year? The answer would be no. It didn't work the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time. How at, at what point at, at like, you know, it's I get for some people it's become like this religious cult. And as a capitalist, I respect what Fauci is doing. But every time he knocks on the door or gets in front of a TV microphone, the only thing he's really saying is please give us money because there's no science to support this. And I'm not like anti-vax or COVID is a hoax, more like pandemic. That's not who I am. But they have no data. Okay, they have no data. This doesn't stop you from getting the virus. That was the promise. Then they were like, all right, well, all right. Turns out you're still going to get it, but you're not going to get sick. And then they were like, all right, well, you're still going to get sick. But however, you're not going to die. That's a 0 for 3, guys. 0 for 3. Yet he's still out there pushing this PBS special. And you understand, and this is why I highlight this, because the PBS special is supposed to show you how difficult it was to get people to believe in the vaccine. It's there to shame these people and to look at these stupid people that didn't even get the vaccine. Do you believe they are? They're so dumb is what they are. But history will show that all of the tinfoil hat conspiracy theories have one thing in common, and that's that none of them got myocarditis and that all of them are just as protected from COVID as the people who got vaccinated. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up on a Tuesday. We're going to be rapping with Rand Paul. Stopping by in the next break to weigh in on Dr. Anthony Fauci. Perhaps this impending Trump arrest as well. It's a messy time on the radio, man. You know, the old adage in horse racing is you got to be a mutter if you want to make it in horse racing. You got to be able to run on a sloppy track. Well, I would posit to you, the listener, that I have been a mutter every single day since this show was launched. It was launched March the 9th of 2020, five days before the whole world locked down for what we were told was going to be 15 days. 15 days to slow the spread. You'll only be inside for 15 days. That is a fact check false. It went on a little longer than that. Now, there were exceptions, though. If you wanted to get out and loot a store or establish a pretend country in Seattle, yeah, they let you out of the house. You wanted to... Burned down a couple of businesses in the near north of Minneapolis. Yeah, they let you out of the house. In fact, scientists were encouraging it. But, you know, for the regular going to school, going to work and everything in between, those actual public health initiatives wound up having a counterproductive measure on society. Whether you're talking about the kids who basically went through two school years learning absolutely nothing. I love the poorly educated. But even the adults who didn't get a fair fight against COVID. Because a lot of the big tech censorship cracked down on things that were proven to be true. 
You weren't allowed to say masks don't work for a while. They threw you right off the Internet for saying it, though. You weren't allowed to say vaccinated people get COVID. They threw you right off the Internet for saying it. Okay, these things went on. Oh, hydroxychloroquine. Get him out of here. Throw the guy in a prison. What do you mean? You know, all of that. Ivermectin, that's horse paste. Come on with your horse dewormer. What are you doing? But the truth is Ivermectin, of course, won a Nobel Prize for its treatment on humans for malaria. But they cracked down on all of that and wound up inhibiting our ability to fight this virus head to head. Something I'm about to discuss with Rand Paul. We're going to do an adult interview. No one believes me. I'm going to pull it off. When we come back, we'll talk data and science and everything in between. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul right here on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and we're going to bring in now a great senator from the great state of Kentucky, because the way this country's going, we could all use a trip down to the Bourbon Trail. Uh, joining us now to offer clarity to this chaos, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul is here. Hello, Senator. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. You ain't kidding, man. Uh, we would have appreciated a bottle of bourbon, though, if you could have brought us one. Well, we got to see how good the interview is before we make that. Decision, <laughs> oh right? man, this is so funny! I'm now I'm auditioning on Kentucky's Got Talent. Well, it's an honor to have you here, uh, and I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Uh, we've been playing some clips from Dr. Fauci prior to you joining us today. Now, I know you're a huge fan of the Good Doctor. Uh, the question I wanted to ask, though, for real, is when you heard Fauci saying that we need to be pushing like a booster of the month club or a booster a year, or whatever the heck he was telling MSNBC. Do you find any medical motivation for that comment, or does it bring you back to the exchange you had with him over people on the panel receiving royalties from pharmaceutical companies? Well, see, it's, it's worse than you can even imagine. We now know that Moderna is going to be giving the NIH $400 million. So the head of the NIH or the NIAD was Fauci. Mm-hmm. So Fauci and his people are getting $400 million. Do you think that's a conflict of interest when then Fauci says that you need a mandatory 14 boosters for your five-year-old? <laughs> so, yes, I think it really is a conflict of interest. How can we have money going from the pharmaceutical companies to government to the very people dictating policy? And there's absolutely no scientific evidence that your child needs to be vaccinated unless your child has an unusual medical condition. There is no reason to vaccinate your child, and there's probably a contraindication to vaccinate your child if your child's already had COVID. So what my dispute with Fauci has always been he's not really looking at the science. It's an incomplete science if you do not include people who have had previous infection with COVID because a previous infection is essentially like being vaccinated. In fact, in 2004, Fauci believed that and said that on C-SPAN, that there's no better inoculation than actually having gotten the infection yourself. That's a great point. We're talking to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. It was fascinating to me that this was the first virus in our history where natural immunity wasn't factored in as some form of an inoculation. But it brought me back to your clip, which I had played. Now, when Fauci said to you that under the law, uh, he quoted a specific act, no one has to disclose whether or not they're receiving royalties from something they happen to be recommending. Did you take his I don't have to tell you as a yes? 
took it as an insult to the American people. It's basically him saying that uh, he refuses to divulge the American people whether or not he is taking royalties or anybody on the vaccine committee is taking royalties. He pointed to a law from 1980, and I have a staff that reads all of these laws for me, and we looked at the law, and basically the law doesn't say that. So he's, he's dishonestly representing that law. He's hiding behind it. But think about it. Would you let somebody on your local school board who owns a textbook company vote to give the contract to themselves without divulging that they own yeah. the textbook company? <laughs> Nobody would in their right mind. I mean, so it's, a, it's, it's obviously a conflict of interest. And the fact that they won't tell us makes us think the worst. And it may be that nobody on the committee actually got royalties from the companies, but the fact that they won't tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're demanding this, and I have legislation we're putting forward that says they will have to reveal this. There's no way we're going to let them hide behind and not reveal where they're getting their money because this is an extraordinary amount of money. Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. And the bigger takeaway for me, because I obviously don't have your medical background, but I would imagine if you were doing something as nefarious as pushing, pushing a booster, especially for children, without any long-term data to justify doing so, I would think he'd want to distance himself from the reality that they might be making money off of this, which under that law, he'd still have the rights to say, no, I'm not making money if that were the case, no? Exactly, um, because they would have the right to not say which company or how much, but they should say they're not getting any. That's, there's no law preventing them from saying that. But members of Congress should be more curious, and we should be forcing this issue. But so far, not one Democrat has joined me in even seeking records. I have 30 uh, letters to request records from eight different government agencies. They've all been denied by the Biden administration, and not one Democrat seems curious at all as to whether or not we funded any of this research that happened in China or we funded uh, grants to things that were actually very dangerous and still could cause a problem in the future. Well, I think that's a big frustration a lot of people have is that there isn't an, an intellectual curiosity when it comes to the COVID origins. Um, did you get the feeling that Fauci was looking for the COVID origins the way OJ was looking for the real killers? Yeah, that's a decent analogy. The thing is, is from the very minute uh, he heard about the pandemic, his staff brought to him almost the first day he heard about the pandemic in January of 2020. They brought to him the research that he had funded. And on the subject line of the email says gain of function. Mm -hmm. The very thing he denied then for the next several years, he gathers these people together. He sends emails all night on January 31st. And all of his uh, buddies in the virology world come together, and they tell him they send they send emails to him saying, you know, we think it came from the lab. Two days later, they're all entirely convinced that it didn't come from the lab, and they commit are commissioned to write a paper that he edits that then he refers to as proof that it didn't come from the lab. So this is the biggest cover up in modern medical history. Yeah, it's this it's, is a big deal. It, it's fascinating. Uh, we're talking to Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. It, it's fascinating. It's frightening. It's a million things at once. But I wanted to really quick dive into the role big tech has played in all of this because you were suspended from YouTube for saying that masks don't work, which we, we presumably do, do now know that. That seems to be a point of consensus in most places. Uh, did YouTube ever apologize? No, and I think they should come on bended knee and, uh, you know, sing, sing outside my office, their humble apology. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. So I don't do, I don't use YouTube. I use rumble only. We don't post any of our video on YouTube. And I suggest that other conservatives do the same because we shouldn't reward people. 
YouTube twice took down things that I put up. Once, you know, saying masks don't work, but also gave a speech on the floor where I revealed the name of the person who conspired while at work to set up Donald Trump for the first impeachment, this mm-hmm. uh, Eric Tiramela guy, yep. the first whistleblower. And uh, he conspired at work with eight other people, and the other people ended up becoming the lawyers that worked for Adam Schiff to prosecute the impeachment. I mean, talk about uh, a crazy thing that was never reported. I reported that on the Senate floor, which is protected speech by the Constitution. Mm -hmm. YouTube took that down also. (laughs) So they presume to know what is constitutional, what should be said, what is right and wrong. They're the ultimate arbiter of truth. And those are the kind of simple-minded people I don't want to be associated with, and I don't want to make money off my content. So I refuse to do business with them. Amen. I'm with you there. And and I think the larger point I'm just trying to make, too, is that when they, you know, engaged in the acts of censorship that they did, whether we were talking about masks, whether we were talking about natural immunity, they had an impact and not in a good way on our ability to combat this virus. When it comes to public health initiatives, I mean, most of them were wrong. I think we would conclude that lockdowns were wrong and that masking was unnecessary. I don't think anybody could make a, a rational case for mandating this vaccine, given what we now know. So is it your opinion? that big tech in engaging in the censorship that it did harmed or at least hindered our ability to get a fair fight against the virus? Without question, Fauci's downplaying of prior immunity from prior infection that was also furthered by big tech cost lives. Mm -hmm. Think about the first year when there was no vaccine. What was the best way? What would have been the best sort of public policy you could have to save lives in nursing homes? Mm -hmm. 40% of the people who died died in a nursing home. The one thing you could have done is have all the attendants be people who have recovered from COVID. Knowing that prior immunity not only prevents you from getting infected, it prevents you from spreading it. Mm-hmm. I suggested this to President Trump's medical team too, without success. The, the Secret Service around the president, because he was at risk yep. from his age, should have been young Secret Service agents that had already recovered from COVID. And there were plenty of them. Within a month or two, you probably had two dozen agents that could have guarded the president that had already had it. Same with the nursing homes. You could have saved thousands of lives by having only attendance in nursing homes. It would take a little bit of a transition, a couple of weeks until you could get mostly people. Mm-hmm. But it could have saved lots of lives by understanding that immunity would protect the people in there by having young attendants who had already had it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, then one more before I let you go. I did see you tweet earlier, uh, you're not a big fan of this prosecution into President Trump, uh, which I think we all agree seems to be a little bit of a judicial mispractice. Um, Are they not mindful of the impact this has on the country? I think that uh, nobody yet has really... I think it's fully explained how, how big of a problem this is going to be. This is going to divide the country like nothing has in a long time. Mm-hmm. It is going to anger a huge part of the country. I mean, I'm talking about yep. a visible, um, seething anger at taking a president and trying to make a fool of uh, a former president and trying to put him up and take a mugshot of him and arrest him. I, I think it'll divide this country like nothing has ever happened. And people need to remember, you know, when Gerald Ford took the, uh, I think, uh, position, the responsible position of not going after Nixon. Richard Nixon, it was to let the nation heal. Yep. And this is something that I think is awful that they're going to do. It's over something that's a, 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 an alleged campaign finance ventilation that shouldn't be criminal anyway and ought to be a fine if it were if it is true. Mm-hmm. And if they if they choose to actually arrest him. Uh, you're going you're going to see uh, discontent and possibly unrest in the country. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and, you know, I'd like to see them exercise a little more restraint. But one way or the other, um, a great interview from me. I, I may even send you the bottle of bourbon. 
I think that's the way it should work. Really, I just gave you a bunch of free content. <laughs> Rand Paul with the shakedown. I appreciate your time, Senator. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, my man. We're back after this. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We would have been back sooner, but our guest just, you know, took over the show as she is wont to do. Finally, Josh had to be like, oh, shut up, woman. She is a (laughs) co-host of Outnumbered, host of the Fox True Crime podcast. A very chatty Emily Campagno in studio. Hey Yo, girl. in my defense, guys, the, the on-air light kept going on, but I thought when it went off, like, oh, I, I get to talk. I didn't realize they were turning it off because I was talking. Well, I apologize <laughs> deeply. I'm so sorry. Well, just sorry. I'm hand, if you're watching on Fox Nation, I'm handing Emily money right now. I am not oh, paying wait. her to shut up. I actually just <laughs> – I owe her money. We went out. We had a fabulous dinner the other night with Brian Brenberg. We were divvying up the bill at the end of the day. You know, Venmo gets involved now. Going out to dinner ain't what it used to be when everyone carried cash. I was going to say, I haven't touched cash in <laughs> years. Right? I was like, what, what, is, what is this piece of paper? I didn't know what it was. You looked at me like I was handing you my oh, chewed gum. Like, it what just this? happened? <laughs> it's called money. Remember money? No. It's, never had it. Yeah. Now it's just virtual. It's so weird. Now it's like, here's a picture of a Bitcoin, a Venmo account, and my email address. And like, wait, wait, this we just settled $83? Somehow I'm confused. Emily Campagno is here. Uh, not to talk about that. Uh, nor to talk about her top secret text to my wife. I got off TV. I was on last night with your co-host Kaylee McEnany and Judge Janine. And all I ever want to know when I'm doing a hit from home is if there's a delay. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there a delay between you know, process? So I come downstairs to my living room and I'm like, Jenny, how's the delay? She goes, like, oh, uh, oh, you were on? <laughs> and I just look and she's just like in her phone. And I guess she texts like you, like women text rapid fire. Yeah. Rapid, like a Tommy gun. Because we have dexterity, number one, yeah, and okay. we have fast thinking, number two, Okay. and critical thinking, number three. Mm-hmm. And yes, first of all, I love that you say the top secret text, everyone. It, there's nothing top secret. No, no, secret. I know. Jenny and I are besties. Sounds, but... I tell you every day, when you guys divorce, I'm marrying Jenny. That's, that's what's <laughs> happening. That's what's happening. I'm counting the days because she's the best thing to ever happen to this universe. Em- Emily Campagno, uh, prospective homewrecker in studio. <laughs> Or I just want to move in with Jim. Maybe it'll just be the three of us. I mean, think about think about what a dope place you guys would have, though, because you have phenomenal decorating skills. Thanks. And anything you dreamt up, she could make. Like she's a fine decorator in her own right. I mean, Jenny's phenomenal, but she can also just make it. Jenny is the equivalent. Every type of like HGTV show that you like to watch, every type of uh-huh. DIY show, every everything like that, Jenny does it. You want to build a cabinet? Done. Yeah. You want to rearrange all your furniture and and like the Amish make yeah, yeah. it from scratch? <laughs> Done. Do you want to like personalize T-shirts and and cups and hats? Yeah. And she's she does it all. No, she's like she actually made uh, me and Lincoln's vaccine. Like she made, we don't have it. They're like, what do you have, Pfizer, Moderna? I'm like, no, I have Jenny Fallon. Stirring the cauldron yeah, in the kitchen. She went on YouTube. She went to like a CVS and she's like, she banged out a vaccine. It's amazing. I've never gotten sick once. It's incredible. Emily Campagno is here. Uh, who? What's going on on the podcast this week? So it's Tuesday, which means our newest episode of the Fox True Crime podcast has dropped. And today it's really exciting. It's part one of the Pablo Escobar guys. Ooh. 
these are the two guys that that hit show Narcos, Narcos was based on. Like, mm-hmm. This is the real deal. Javier Pena and Steve Murphy. So they were DEA agents stationed in Bogota, Colombia. This was like the cutting edge beginning of yeah, the drug yeah. war. You hear it from them, the mouths of them in part one today. Part two drops on Thursday. Boom! It's like an episodic. Totally. It gets crazy. Like when I, I when I watch Narcos and like you start to learn about like the submarines and everything else going on. It's pretty intense, Em. And I've actually, I admit I've never seen the show because I read their book okay, and I yeah. listened to them. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've invested many, many hours of my life into these men gratefully and with wanting more. Because mm-hmm. the thing about Narcos is they say there's, there's fictional parts to that. Yeah, yeah. But what they tell is it's even more incredible than what you see on wow. TV. I mean, the, the guns to the head in hotel rooms, the crazy car chases, yeah. all of that existed. It's real. And they tell the story. So many anecdotes. It's gripping, edge of your seat, thrilling, listening, and watching if you want to watch on Fox News' YouTube channel. Boom. Well, I think everybody's blown away by that except me because guns to the head in car chases sounds like a Friday <laughs> night with you and Kennedy. That just sounds like I would hang it out in D.C. again. Totally. Do you know? Just a normal I don't Tuesday. Know if, I don't know if you know this, but when we were in D.C., I'm pretty sure me and Kennedy are actually banned from taking taxis because we were singing We Are the World. Because we rode back in two separate taxis to the hotel, and in our taxi, we were singing We Are the World. And, like, at the top of our lungs, and then Kennedy started singing spirituals, and the guy pulled over on the side of the road and, like, kind of ordered us out of the cab. And then I had to, like, make – I had to make, like, taxi pals with him and school him on the ways of my force in New York, and we wound up getting a ride home. But I don't know if we're D.C. welcome in the taxi industry, so we might have to Uber next time we're in town. Well, the saying. reason that you guys were kicked out is not because you were singing. It's because you were singing We Are the World. That's <laughs> – the top five worst song on the planet. Everyone knows this. If you'd been thinking <laughs> Def Leppard, he would have taken you first class straight to your door. Is that, is, Everyone knows this. Is, is that what you're telling? Is that that's where we the went song wrong? Choice. We put the wrong. We put the wrong selection into the jukebox. That's exactly right. I didn't know we had other options. So, if you were going to recommend really quick, because the crime of noise pollution is also a crime. Maybe at some point that'll come up on your true crime podcast. Um, is is the go to? You know, in terms of songs you could sing in a taxi and not get thrown out. Because I've heard some music sang in my taxi back in the day, but you'd say Def Leppard is probably the universe. What is the universal most accepted song you could sing in a taxi? Depends what city you're in. And audio warfare, by the way, is a thing. Uh-huh. Audio torture is a thing, which <laughs> is why if your voice isn't good, just don't sing anything. But I think your best bet is to sing along with whatever the cab driver is playing. Oh. Your second best bet, depending on what town it is, sing a song from the an artist that's from there. But hold on. But this is where I differ, though, because I get you being hospitable and one in Rome. But there's nothing me as a guy from Long Island wants to do less than hear you sing Billy Joel. I was just, oh my gosh, that's what I was thinking. Yes. That's literally what I was thinking in my head. I was like, I was about to be like. But then you realize they hear it so much. You know what I'm saying? so good, though. It's I so don't know. Bon Jovi when you're in Jersey. Yeah. Just Bon yeah, okay. Jovi everywhere. It's great to you till the driver just loses it and <laughs> drives you into a lake. He's like, oh, we're halfway there. <laughs> You know, can't take it anymore. No, everybody's got to swim for it. The True Crime Podcast. It is streaming everywhere you could possibly get a podcast. It's so good, guys. And I'm not just saying that. No, she's she actually she has the numbers to back it up, and it's killing me. Oh, it's this thing is so successful. Great. I have ruined against the, 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 yeah, the amount of voodoo dolls. But Jenny won't build one for me. That's why it's not working. I got to get Jenny. Check out the True Crime Podcast. We are back after this with more Fox Across America, girl. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Hey, girl. Here we go. Here we go. Big hour of Fox Across America coming up with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be joined by Jerry Willis, who is making her Fox Across America debut. She has been a staple here on the channel, FBN, FNC, for good gosh, I feel like the better part of at least 15 years. Uh, We've done Gutfeld together. We've done the great Christmas debate on Fox Nation together. She is as sharp of a reporter and an analytical mind as they come, which uh, is not good for me because there's about a 200-point IQ gap between her and I. This could be a problem. We will try to hold it together in this hour, and I bring up IQ gaps. Why? Because the education of our children or the lack thereof is taking center stage right now, not only in Los Angeles, where that teachers union is going on strike. They're crazy. But down in the state of Georgia, where an elected official uh, by the name of Representative Lydia Glaze said parents are too stupid to make decisions on their child's education. What the hell did you just say? I didn't say it. She did. And we're going to get into it in this hour. 888-788-9910. That is the phone number if you want to be a part of this thing. Also the phone number if you don't want to be a part of the show. You can just call us up and read us our truth. And another thing, fatso, you know, take some shots of how I looked on TV this afternoon. You're killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat look at you. (laughs) I'm trying to pull it together. But uh, I will tell you, uh, who did not come anywhere close to pulling it together, and that is Georgia Representative Lydia Glaze. And I start here because this, again, she's not somebody you're terribly familiar with. In the interest of full disclosure, I didn't know who she was when I got out of bed today. But when I was listening to this hearing and I was reading the take of elected Democratic officials – as it pertains to parents and school choice and parents weighing in on the curriculum and everything in between, I was really like bothered by this, like this, this really weird, you know, condescension when it comes to Democrats and voters. They think you're stupid. Do you remember when Kamala Harris was saying, well, voter ID, we can't do that because people in the middle of the country, they don't have photocopiers. That would we'd be, you know. Suppressing the vote because, you know, you live in the middle of the country. You can't go to, I don't know, a Kinko's or a Staples or, oh, I don't know, any place on earth that sells computer products and maybe even own your own printer. Okay, here's a newsflash. About 70 percent of the American population owns a printer and 100 percent of the American population has access to one. But there were so many little ways They showed their condescension. They showed the soft bigotry of low expectations when it came to voter ID because they said, what? Well, we can't have voter ID because black people are incapable of getting voter ID. You're suppressing their vote. I'm like, wait, what? In what world are you living in? Because the world that we're living in happens to require an ID to do literally everything. You want to board a plane, you need an ID. You want to drive a car, you need an ID. Oh, by the way, you want to get vaccinated, you need an ID. You want to open up a bank account, you need an ID. You want to withdraw money, you need an ID. Huh? You want to go to a ball game? They boycotted Georgia because of voter ID. But guess what? You need to pick up your tickets to the ball game at the will call booth. Yeah, you need an ID. Oh, well, weird. You want a beer at the ball game? Guess what? You need the show. Oh, an ID. Yet every single one of these outfits said voter ID was voter suppression 
and it was racist towards black people. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. And it struck me that they didn't learn that lesson because if you remember, we were told Stacey Abrams, the duly elected governor of Georgia in the last election, okay, was fighting voter suppression. Stacey Abrams is full of Maybe so, but understand that Stacey Abrams claimed that Georgia's voter ID law was suppressing the vote even after it broke every record for turnout. Georgia counted more votes in the midterm election than any vote in history. Early voting was up over 200 percent. Does that sound like voter suppression? The answer would be no. But Stacey Abrams went on TV with a straight face and said, well, just because you can't see the oppression, the suppression, doesn't mean it's not going on. (laughs) Clown stuff. But what I'm amazed by is the willingness of Democrats to go in front of a microphone and characterize black Americans as intellectual inferiors. But that's what they do. Oh, they don't know how to get an ID. They can't get an ID. Wait, what? How insulting is that? There's nobody in the year 2023 that can be participating in society if they don't have an ID. And here's a newsflash. There's no one in any race. There is no race out there that is less capable intellectually than any other race. Now, the Democrats might have you believe that's the case, as this clip I'm about to play for you does. But I've ne- it's like it really struck me with all the things going on. Oh, Trump might be getting arrested. It's not going to happen in the next few days. We'll get back to that story. Okay, Biden put forth a budget proposal and claimed with a straight face that Republicans are trying to defund the police. Biden sucks. Oh, it's terrible. It's embarrassing. We're living in the death of shame. But we're also living in this odd death of decorum when it comes to voters. I've never heard such a dripping condescension for the average American in the brazen way they now spew it out of the left. Here is Representative Lydia Glaze. Saying, you know, we're looking at our child's education. Parents aren't qualified. Here's why. Clip 22. I see access as a problem. Um, I see parents being able to direct their child's um, education, and they are already in the lower 25 percentile, meaning a lot of those parents did not finish high school and cannot direct their, could not finish their own education. I am extremely concerned that we would put money in their hands and that, and that entire piece of life in the hands of parents who are not qualified to make those decisions. You don't have a clue. But hold on, because it's so funny. Democrats, we can't put school choice in the hands of the parents because they're not qualified. They're not smart enough to make such an important decision about their child's life. However, if a five-year-old wants to surgically alter their body for the rest of eternity, that's just fine. They're not even listening to themselves. Here's a little more of this, though. This is clip 23. I am for private schools. All of my children graduated from private schools, but I am not for them if we take public school dollars and use them for private schools. We paid for it, and we were able to. This is total crap. Now understand, why isn't she for private schools? She sent her kids to private schools, okay? Didn't care that public education was failing the other kids because she had the money to send her kids to private schools. But the reason she doesn't want to take funds away from public schools, I think you all know it, sing along at home if you do, 
is that the teachers' union is the biggest lobbying wing of the Democratic Party. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. So you understand, ah, let the public schools fail. We can't take the money away from the public schools because these parents are too stupid to know better. If you took the money away from the schools, gave them to the parents, they might choose the wrong school. What do you mean? Tell them to choose the school your kids are going to. You seem happy with it. But the problem is they want to have it both ways. They want you to believe, hey, we're here for the kids. We're doing it for the children. We're just here to help the little kids. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay, if you want to help the little kids, and this is school choice, when you want to talk about modern-day bigotry, for all the false accusations of racism and somebody intentionally harming minority communities, nothing holds back people like the lack of education that we see in the inner city schools of this country. The average inner city school kid in America right now thinks two plus two equals jello. And in a global economy where they're competing with kids from around the world, school districts that prioritize meritocracy and good grades, what we're doing here in America in a lot of these school districts is we're saying, well, you know, there's not enough representation in the honors program, so we'll just do away with the honors program in the name of equity. But that's not a rising tide that lifts all boats. That's not taking the, the, the slower kids and getting them up to the speed of the smarter kids. That's trying to just tear down and hold back the smarter kids in the name of aligning our grades in the name of equity. And it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Do you remember Whitney Houston? I believe the children of the future teach them well and let them lead the way. We're doing the opposite. I believe the children of the future. So don't teach them too good because some kids might not score as high as others. Then we've got inclusion problems at the honor society. And what good would that be? There's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. And a lot of these people pushing these policies. Oh, the parents are too stupid to choose. Leave them in public schools where they'll just continue to get dumber. Why? Because public schools are failing this country in a lot of places especially the inner cities, where they locked them down for two years, denied them in-person learning with no scientific data whatsoever to support kids being at health risk in school. In fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics told us in the summer of 2020, kids were safer in school than they were at home. Why? Because they had infinitesimally low COVID transmission rates. They weren't dying from the virus, thank God. And they realized kids were going to learn more in a public setting face-to-face than they were on Zoom when they were one of 30 different thumbnails on the teacher's screen. They learned that kids, some of them who were on the poorer end of the socioeconomic scale, were getting their one nutritious meal of the day at school. And they learned that, heaven forbid, a kid was living in in an abusive household. It was much easier to diagnose such a thing in person as opposed to on Zoom, where, again, a kid was just one of 30 individual thumbnails. A little harder for the teacher to get a look at the kid. But we abandoned all of that because it was an election year. Trump wanted to reopen the schools. Democrats are like, hell no! He's going to get the kids killed. That's what he's going to do. He doesn't care if your children live or die. Democrats are so full of crap. For sure, because if you cared about the kids... You followed the American Academy of Pediatrics and sent them right back into the classroom where they were safe. 
But one of the reasons they didn't get right back into the classroom is because it became a political wedge issue. And school districts like Los Angeles, school districts like Chicago, their teachers held out. And we're like, if we're going back to school, that's systemic racism because COVID disproportionately harms children of color. Wait, what? Shut up. Nobody cares about the kids. The biggest problem we have in this day and age, and I tell you this as a parent, that's why I harp on kids' issues a lot on the show, is kids don't have a lobbyist group. They don't have a well-funded lobbyist group that goes to Washington, presses the flesh, takes people out for a, you know, wildly expensive lunch that they then write off and go around the block to the strip club and get a few dances. Hubba, hubba. But that does go on in Washington, but we don't have that for kids. Kids have parents. And yes, parents do show up to school board meetings and get called domestic terrorists. And yes, some parents show up and make, you know, senior rational points and participate in the debate. But a good percentage of parents can't go to these meetings. A good percentage of these parents can't lobby Washington, D.C. In fact, most of them can't. So kids are often the casualty in these political culture wars that revolve around education. But everybody who tells you they're for minority communities, everybody who tells you, ah, the Republicans are oppressing black people and holding back their community. Yo, it is not the Republicans that are standing in the way of school choice. It's not. Republicans are for it. Hey, take some of the funding away from public schools. Put the pressure on these schools to improve their academic progress if we're going to continue to fund them. And if, in fact, a kid is trapped in a failing inner city school where a lot of garbage teachers are protected by tenure, then that kid's parents should have the right to take their quest for an education elsewhere. Every Republican says, yeah, do it. You know what the Democrats say to that day in and day out? The answer would be no. They don't want to do it. Why? Because they're getting paid. They're getting paid by the teachers' unions. Okay, some of which just went on strike out in Los Angeles where the kids have already lost two years of academic gains, where we are 40th in the world in the best category we rank in right now, which is reading comprehension. We're 40th in the world. Okay, but the teachers are going on strike. Are they doing so because they're worried about the well-being of the kids? Of course not. No, they're worried about what? More contract negotiations, which I don't bother them. I don't begrudge them the need to get paid more money. Things are really expensive right now in this economy, okay? We got a guy that's taken inflation to a 40-year high and gets out there with a straight face and says everything's going fine. That is a lie. So I don't begrudge teachers for wanting to do better for themselves and their family, but at some point it really would be nice. It would mean a lot to me if anybody who worked in the sphere of education actually pretended to care about educating the kids. You're absolutely right. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up. We're going to be talking to Jerry Willis, my good pal, in the next break. She's, of course, the host of the Fearless and Proud podcast, which is highlighting badass women. The latest episode has to do with the Civil War. But while Jerry's in the on-deck circle getting ready to profile some badass women, uh, we're about to discuss one that's slightly less than that. Uh, Hillary Ronan who is a district supervisor out in San Francisco, if you remember, made national news in the summer of 2020. Why? Because she was calling quite aggressively, mind you, to D. 
defund the police. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Well, just a few short years removed from calling to defund the police, uh, she is now issuing the following plea uh, for her district. It's clip 24. I've been begging this department to give the mission what it deserves in terms of police presence all year long. And I have been told time and time and time and time again, there are no officers that we can send to mission. It hurts and I feel betrayed by the department. I feel betrayed by the mayor. I feel betrayed by the priorities of this city. (laughs) I mean, come on. Shut up, fool. And this is what happened, man. This is why I mean this. I say this a lot. We don't have crime problem in this country. We have a stupid problem. We don't have a border problem. We have a stupid problem. We don't have an economy problem. We have a stupid problem. Stupid people got put in charge. And a lot of their dumb, emotionless views were able to multiply on social media and gain a foothold and become actual policy. Yes, elected Democratic officials spent the summer of 2020 demanding to defund the police. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Oh, get out of here. It's coming from the streets. So, uh, well... If the criminals on the streets want no more cops, I guess we should placate them, right? This is Looney Tunes. Total Looney Tunes. Okay, but this is the problem in our country. We don't have a crime problem. Cops could fight crime tomorrow. Okay, we could throw more money at the cops. We could appeal to a higher class of individual because a lot of bright guys are being scared off from doing this job because they don't feel public support. And one of the main reasons why is because Democrats have undermined them in every way, shape, or form in the last three years. But now at least some of them are starting to see the light. As for the other ones, my God, get with the program. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. I mean, I don't even know how I'm going to keep this crowd under control. She is, of course, a superstar Fox business correspondent. She is the host of the Fearless and Proud podcast on Fox News podcast. Jerry Willis on her way into the door. And she's not even in. And the the crowd is fired up. Oh, my God. The crowd is fired. Jerry Willis, good to see you. I was going to the bathroom. Is this not the bathroom? (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Really awkward. (laughs) Now you got to tip me a dollar. Jimmy, hello. It's a big deal. So a lot of people listening don't know this. Yes. But you are like, and you know Seinfeld has the neighbor Kramer that's always barreling into his apartment. Well, here at Fox News, I don't want to say you're Kramer, but you are known to barrel into my office from time to time with some type of observation or some remark on the news or my outfit you're or something. You're comparing me to possibly the ugliest man in television <laughs> ever. Jerry, I want to be honest. I, the reason I called That's you what here, I'm worried about. The reason I called you here was to tell you you would make a lousy man. Stick with the Jerry, <laughs> stick with the Jerry Willis thing. It's working fine. 
That okay. was the point. Where are we going? Hello. <laughs> Jerry Willis is I, here. I did really so think she, this was the bathroom, so, and I'm right. So okay. She is she is uh, my neighbor uh, where I sit in my office here at Fox News, and Jerry is just a few doors down, and we spend a lot of time chatting socially off Won't the air. you this be is a, my neighbor? There it is. She goes full Fred Rogers. She puts on the cardigan and everything. It's kind Don't of I awkward for me. Yeah, Don't she does. She kind of she does. You're Mr. Rogers. I'm more like Mr. Robinson. Do you remember when Eddie Murphy impersonated Mr. Rogers? No. He, well, he used to do tell a, me. Well, he used to do a sketch on SNL called okay. Mr. Robinson. And After was, my bedtime, and it was essentially Mr. Ro- Mr. Rogers if he lived in a worse neighborhood. That was the <laughs> sketch, and it was really funny. So you would be Mr. Rogers. You have a little more yes. polish on you. I would be Mr. Robinson. I would be sweet. Thank you. Light, yeah, 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 lovely, and you would be Jerry Willis. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to have you in studio. The new podcast. You notice how I dodged that bullet? Because I don't know what I don't know what you describe me as. I don't I don't know that you could do it on the air. Legally do you want me to? Do I have to oh, go there? Man. I up, mean, kids. like, let's talk here. Let's be real. Okay. Let's get down on it. This You're a hurt. nutcase. <laughs> that's really what I think. I mean, if people ask me, if people ask me, that's what I would say. Does that off mark? Do you think no. that's too much? Uh, no, not at all. I actually, you know, I love you deeply. In fact, I just got a I note. I think you're my first husband. I'm not sure. Well, I just got a note from the producer, so hold on. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I did, that's, that's a little early in the interview for that, guys. No. Come on. I, I didn't see that coming. Jerry Here's Willis is, is in studio. Oh, my God. As good of a guest as we're ever going to have on the show. We've worked together Sorry. on TV and radio. <laughs> The Great Christmas Debate on Fox Nation, yes. which, by the way, is still streaming. I love that. But I, Go watch it now. It's the I, best thing we've ever done. But the any, very best thing. It might be the best thing Fox has ever produced. I we think were, it was brilliant. We were debating. You were brilliant. Oh, Jerry, we were you buttering me up again. Uh, we were debating like Christmas traditions. And the nice yeah. thing is we did it completely sober uh, in the middle of the did day. We, on oh, Saturday. right, right, right. We were completely sober. Wink, wink, nudge, nod, nudge. Nod. But the point I was going to make is anyone still watching Christmas programming right now and like the last week of March has probably consumed more eggnog than we did. Possibly. But there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You nothing know, you at think all. you think, you know, that's bad, but maybe not. So nope. they're probably happy. No judgments probably on the show. Probably happy just living the life and but, here you are scraping by on a radio show. I mean, come on. Let's <laughs> trying to hold it together. Did you have a Red Bull at the gym? You said you were just coming from the gym. <laughs> I don't I don't drink Red Bull. I, I think a, it's awful. I have a very chippy it sucks, Jerry. I and mean, I bet you drink like a six pack a day. Stop don't it. you? I, don't a six you? pack a day, but not a Red Bull. Can we talk about my podcast? Yeah, we're gonna Jerry Willis. It's for the best. I was going to get you there, girlfriend. <laughs> I had it under control. You don't have to worry about you this. You do? Oh, you better believe it. Okay. So let's talk. Right. So the new podcast that's out and about, it's called the Fearless and Proud Podcast. Okay? And we were fearless because we booked you on the show. I am. But I don't know that we're proud of how it's going. But I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Jerry Willis. You're the best. Uh, but the newest episode is about women of the Civil War, which I find fascinating for a multitude of reasons. But before we get to women, something you're well-versed on. <laughs> Women in the Civil War, anyway. I would like to talk about something that's always fascinated me. And this is not in your podcast, but it's okay. about the Civil War. All right. Okay, let's And go. it's of this era. Let's hear it's it. the people who would go onto the battlefield in the band. Okay? You know how there'd be, like, people playing the flute and the drums and stuff like that? Okay. 
Is there a dumber feeling on earth than being surrounded in the middle of a battlefield and realizing the only thing you've armed yourself with is a flute? Or a fife. Yes, right? that's what I'm saying. Exactly. The fife well, isn't really the killing machine. No, you, were, you could not be more wrong. Once again, Jimmy, okay, you tell missed me why. the mark, tell my me why, friend. Jerry, tell because me. you are building the esprit de corps. Mm-hmm. You are the people who are in charge of getting this fighting machine going. You yes. have to bring it okay. so that people – they would sing. Uh-huh. Uh, the men would sing songs when they were getting ready to go to fight. Yeah, of course they would. And, it, and, and made them feel strong. So I don't know what you're talking but, about. But a lot of the men would be attacked by other men who had, like, guns and knives and bayonets. And i got to be honest with you, a drumstick, not not what, what, what we, you know, think no, it is when it comes no, to self-defense. No. You know, that's all I was saying. Remind me, mm-hmm. you know— if we get in a fight, that I'm going to win because <laughs> you're just going to sit down. Well, you're, well, first of all, you're going to win because I'm into getting beat up. I mean, I normally spend a lot of money. So if we get into a fight, you just save me some cash. Jerry Willis uh, is here. The uh, Fearless and Proud podcast. Mom, it's not my fault. So it's let, not my fault. <laughs> this is why you like two neighbors aren't supposed to get together on the air. But exactly. let's let's take this conversation somewhere productive. Okay. Um, the women fighting in a civil war, it is my understanding that didn't they have to pretend to be men just to be allowed to fight? Well, this is 150 years yeah. before women actually get the right to fight in combat mm-hmm. officially, yes. right? And so there were probably a thousand women, maybe more. Mm-hmm. We have like 250 who are actually proven soldiers. There's the documentation. But the thing is, women were too embarrassed yeah. to really fess up to doing this. Okay. And you might ask yourself, well, like, how in the heck did these women get by? How did yeah. anybody know? That they were women. And the truth is, get this. This just blew me away. I couldn't believe it. So back then, we're talking about the 1860s. It's the world of Victorian era. You know, the folks in England have outsourced their their world to ours, and we live by their rules. Their rules are men go on the outside, women go on the inside, take care of the house. Mm -hmm. Nobody had seen women in pants. It was illegal for women to wear pants on the street. Really? It was illegal. You might get fined. You might get sent to jail. So when somebody saw someone else, there is a camera in here, damn it. Um, saw <laughs> someone else wearing pants. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's a guy. You would never think it was a woman. So just the idea of pants alone was enough to throw them off the scent. And and there were literally millions of very young men mm-hmm. in the forces, 15 years old. Yeah. They didn't have facial hair. Uh-huh. They still had high-pitched voices. So you could make it work, especially if you, like, gambled, yep. you swaggered, yeah, yeah. you shot a gun. Shot a know. gun. Played a fife. Jerry Willis is in studio, host of the Fearless and Proud podcast. I'd be a, fearless and proud to come here. Right? Hey, girl. It's, a lot, it's, a, it's been a very chippy interview so far. Well, I promise we're friends off the air. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> he pays me. He gives me money, and I'm nice. And well, let, let bring me ask donuts. When you, <laughs> I'm sorry. You I'm can't just... say you can't make donut jokes. I was told by the wardrobe department, no more donuts. They're like, no more. <laughs> we, we can't. If we have to have one more really? emergency fitting. No, oh, that's fascistic, Stop isn't it? it? It's, no, you it's can't. not true. They give me crullers. No donuts. <laughs> crullers only, they said. You can only have crullers. Oh, um, as, as you're profiling, this is the thing I wanted to ask you. Okay, as a kid, when I would watch action movies, and I think this is an experience a lot of people had as kids, a lot of times you want to be the superhero by the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, I'd be Spider-Man, whatever. So as you're profiling all of these kick-ass women, okay, you're a kick-ass woman in your own right, but have you ever wanted to – did that sound sincere? I rehearsed it for hours. Oh, good. Okay. But no, did you read this and at any point want to embark or wish you could do the time travel thing and embark in one of these missions in one of these eras? No. Really? 
these women, you've got to understand, uh-huh. they are so badass. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are women who lead a raid to destroy Confederate uh, Southern plantations, mm-hmm. the very center of the Southern economy, yeah. and are successful. Burn them down. Mm-hmm. Free – this is – I'm talking about Harriet Tubman here. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Free hundreds, hundreds of slaves. Mm-hmm. Another woman, Elizabeth Van Lu, mm-hmm. goes undercover. She lives in Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy. She is a wealthy lady, and she lies right into the face of people she's known for years, wow. misleads them, Whoa. gets information from them, uh-huh. sends it to the union. I mean, like, what's so cool now? Imagine this. So this woman has a network of spies she's developed. She's bribing people for information, right? Yeah. So she is able, by the late part of the war, to send her reports directly to General Grant's breakfast table in the battlefield, along with flowers from her farm and that day's Richmond newspaper. This woman could execute. She was a gangster. She was a gangster. But you wouldn't want to be that level. In (laughs) petticoats. You wouldn't want to be that level of gangster, or is it just because? Scare me to death. It would scare me to death because I'm reading her life story at many twists and turns. I mean, like, I'm getting nervous for her. You know, she's Mm -hmm. amazing. And there are lots of women like this. Uh, Let's see. Who else can I tell you about? Loretta Velezquez. Okay. Hilarious. First Cuban woman known to be a Confederate soldier. Whoa. Why does she join? Why? Her husband's joined and she wanted to be with him. She loved him. Loved Whoa. him. So he doesn't really know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So she orders a, a uniform to be made up mm-hmm. and she starts getting involved in recruitment, you know, getting yeah, yeah. people to join as soldiers as Harry Buford with a beautiful handlebar mustache. Whoa. And then one day. It happened to me in a blind date once. Did it? Yeah, unfortunate. But yeah, continue. I, I can see that. Um, then one day she's following her husband to Florida. She walks up to him and she's like, hi, hon. And he's like, Get Loretta, <laughs> is that you? That's like a comedy. It's amazing. The That's whole a- I mean, you just come across story after story. We're relating all of this in the podcast. It's a ton of fun. It's so much fun. Like I consider it required listening at this point. Yeah. Anyone who's made it this far into there's the a fine. You'll be fine. At the f- <laughs> you know the Fox Radio people come for you. It's a whole they're to at do. your door. It's very aggressive, Mr. Failer. You didn't listen to episode it's, three. It's very aggressive. It is. It's. It's. Listen, I'm not happy about it, Why but I pay up because I don't want the problem. <laughs> Uh, it is called the Fearless and Proud Podcast. Jerry Willis, I'm I'm really I'm emotional about the idea that you have to leave the studio and we have to go to commercial <laughs> you're, you're break. You're crying tears of joy. It's I see that. You stop it, Jerry Willis. Uh, it has been a high honor. Uh, a high honor for me as meaning well. Meaning, I believe my producer was high to have bestowed this <laughs> honor upon me. I kid. You're the greatest, Jerry Willis. I'm coming for you tomorrow because I know where you live. <laughs> she does. She knows too much. She's the neighbor. Uh, but the podcast, it is called the Fearless and Proud Podcast. Uh, if you run into me at any of my live stand-up events, I want to know what your favorite episode of Jerry's podcast was. I will undoubtedly tell you mine, okay? And we can have this talk because sometimes people come to meet and greets. And they just want to insult me for my jackets I wear on TV. But this will give us some good, you know, Understood. party conversation. So it's wherever you get your podcast. Yes. All the platforms. Yes, you get it. You So you go any of these places, you get the Jerry Willis experience. The full Will. You get the full Willis. Cry. Do you remember the full Monty? You get the full Willis. That's exciting. I'm excited personally. It's, it's a lot for Never me. Never talking to you again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there she goes. Oh. oh, shut up, woman. Back after this. <laughs>
Yep. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is taking his talents over to the TV after this. You can see me on the bottom line with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy tonight at 6 p.m. And then at 10 p.m., we're getting the band back together with Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. Of course, this is all pending breaking news. If something crazy happens, they might be like, yeah, you know, we don't need the guy in the wacky coat. Uh, But that is the plan. And uh, as I sit here in the bottom of the ninth on this here radio program, a show that I have to say this was a fantastic episode. (laughs) Whatever. A lot of tough love in the booth, but we had a good time. Uh, But one of the things we didn't get to that I wanted to get to is they're doing something at the White House this week where they're trotting out a lot of celebrities. Today they have Bruce Springsteen there for some type of presidential accolade. And they have, uh, you know, a host of people that they're hoping can get in front of a microphone and take it away from Corrine Jean-Pierre for a few minutes at a time. That's essentially what's going on. She is so bad at her job. All right. Well, yesterday she was interrupted uh, by a – I always love this fella because he's been speaking out at these pressers forever – Simon Atiba, and he is an African reporter uh, who is here in America. He reports for Today News Africa. And he rarely, if ever, gets a question in, you know, that that she'll actually call on him to answer. So he has become at times pretty belligerent and hostile towards KJP. And yesterday it went completely off the rails and she eventually shut the whole thing down. This is clip 27. What you are doing, you are making a monthly of the first amendment. It's been seven months. You've not called on me. No, my message is, I'm saying that that's not right. That's not right. On times, welcome, guys. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. This is not right. This is not China. This is not Russia. This is the United States. This is the White House. No. It's, it's been seven months. I sent you seven months. You're going to rush the security, pal. It's been seven months. You guys have not done anything for me. If you have grievances, you should bring them to her later. I have right done that. I have done that. All my emails have been ignored. And the press corps is tired of dealing with this. It is not about you, Simon. I understand that you get questions all the time and you don't understand what it is to sit here for eight months and being discriminated against. I understand that you're in the front row and you feel comfortable and you get questions all the time. And there are people in the back who don't get any questions. Don't make assumptions about what the rest of us do. Mind your manners when you're in here. If you have a problem, you bring it up afterwards. You've got to get mad. He's tired of not getting called on. And all the reporters that were defending Karine Jean-Pierre, what did they all have in common? They get called on every day. But I have to tell you this. If you're like a legitimate journalist, you do want to see this guy getting questions in. You do want to see this guy who's going through the proper protocols get a question in. He told as much uh, to Tucker Carlson last night. Here is clip 30. And so what has been happening in the White House is in the past seven months, I've done all the right things. I've not been called on. I've gone to her office to seek a meeting. She said that she will meet with me next year. I've sent questions about the Nigerian election, about, you know, the problems, challenges in Africa. 
and, and they've not called on me, even as the vice president is going to Africa, even as the first lady, Jill Biden, went to Africa, even when they received 50 African leaders for the U.S.-African summit in Washington, D.C., the guy who covers the White House, the African guy who covers the White House, is looked down upon in the greatest country in the world. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. And one of the reasons why is more journalists aren't speaking up in this guy's defense. Yeah, you might not like his antics, but it's because the guy can't get called on. He came here from Africa, where the press is often silenced at the behest of the government. And here in America, thinking he was going to get a fair shake. Wrong. He's now a member of the press getting silenced at the behest of the government. They just ignore him day in and day out. And what went on yesterday won't ingratiate him anymore to this administration. So what I, I would I would suggest or, or anyway expect more celebrities and less Simon. Uh, he has since been, I believe, barred from the White House Correspondents Association, which means I can't even hang out and drink with the guy if we go to the annual dinner this year. I mean, come on, man. What the hell is the world? I do not know, but we will try to figure it out again tomorrow when we get back on the show. Byron Donalds, the self-proclaimed best-dressed man in Congress, joins us. Uh, But until then, we're out of here. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a... I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.